Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Um, if you have your Bible, you can head over there. Uh, you can use the YouVersion Bible app or uh, the uh, bulletin. Follow along with us. Uh, get all of our notes there. But it is already December. Can you believe it? It's already December. Christmas is coming. 2018 is coming. Time just seems like it flies by, doesn't it? Um, 2017 is gone. Weep, mourn, gnash teeth if you need to. It's gone. Just get used to it. Accept it. Time is fleeting. There's no way, there's no way to hold on to time, right? There's no way to slow it down or to speed it up. There's, that's not the way it works. It just is. Time marches on. We're here for about 75 minutes today, and all of us have that 75 minutes. We all have this time. It will come, and it will go. Lunch will come, and it will go. The afternoon football games, relaxing, housework, whatever it is for you, it will come and it will go. Monday will come and it will go. Christmas, December, New Year's, all of that will come and it will go. Time marches on. Like drops of water falling from the skies, like days of water falling from the skies, days fall and turn into pools of weeks and then streams of months. And then finally one day you find yourself standing next to a raging river of decades as it passes you by. Wondering what happened to all the time. Where did the time go? Time marches on. You can't make it stop. You can't make it slow down. Not in any literal way. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're looking at your middle school and high school kids thinking, yesterday you were learning to walk. What happened? How'd you get so big so fast? You're looking at your grandkids thinking, where did all the time go? I thought I had a ton left. You're laying your parents down for their final rest. Black suits, flowers, condolences. And you're thinking, wow, where did all the time go? Time. It keeps marching on with or without us, doesn't it? It's already December 2017. Can you believe it? We've been in a series over the last few weeks called Rhythm. Um, God has created his universe to work and your life to work in a certain way, in a certain rhythm. But sin has caused us to be born in this arrhythmia of our own making. We're singing a song different from the song of creation, the song we were created to sing the song of our creator. And just like when your physical heart is out of rhythm or a saxophone player is out of rhythm with the rest of the orchestra, it's painful. Living your life out of step with the rhythm God created it to work best in, it's, it's painful, right? It's a painful, empty existence. And if you'll be quiet enough to listen, you can hear it. If you'll be still enough, you can feel it. All of us in one area or another are out of rhythm with the way God has created us to live. And it's devastating. There's this confusion as the world operates differently and everyone around us is singing a different song. There's this fog in our minds as we watch the masses going in one direction and it's loud and it's overwhelming and it's confusing. And the whole 
time, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God whispers to us a different song, a different way, a different rhythm. And when we hear that song, there's this moment of relief. There's this peace as our soul starts to tap a beat that it was created to tap. There's this relief like, oh, finally, I'm in line with the way God has created me to work. Finally, I feel that peace that surpasses understanding. There's this relief when we hear God's song, the song we're supposed to be singing, the rhythm he created us to operate in. But then the confusion sets in again, doesn't it? The song of the world, the arrhythmia of the world gets loud again and the masses are heading in that direction and we get confused and we get off track and we get out of rhythm again. But the good news is that just like sin entered the world in Genesis 3 from the outside, it seemed like Eden was doing fine and then sin came in from the outside and it was jarring and it was piercing and it was painful. Just like that, Jesus entered human history from the outside and died on a cross for our sins, yours and mine, and in so doing, shocked the heart of creation back into the rhythm it was created to work. Jesus saw you at your worst when you were doing the thing that you never talk about you were thinking the thought that you would never tell anybody about when you were at your most wicked self the worst you possible with no thought to God no seeking after God no desire for salvation but rather just happy in your sin and your blaspheming against a God who loves you and created you when you were in that moment Romans 5 says that Jesus looked down and said, I'll die for her. I'll die for him. And he gave his life for you and he defeated death for you and he took the punishment that you deserved. He did that for you and for me. And in so doing, he gives us this opportunity to live like God created us to live in the rhythm he created us to work best in. And all we have to do is give our lives over to him. Completely. We just have to let him drive out the confusion, the sickness we were born into, and hear the song of creation clearly, the song that we were made to sing with our lives, the part we were created to play. Listen to me, beloved, the emptiness you feel, the pain you feel from living outside of God's rhythm for your life, it's only fixed by you giving your life over to God completely. That's the only way it works once and for all. Every part of you, your sin, your insecurity, your doubts, your goals, your stuff, your money, your pride, your family, all of it. If you have yet to do that, just do it right now. Just do it. Like, I don't even need to preach the rest of this sermon. I thought I'd get at least one amen from that. (laughs) I don't even need to keep going, do I? I mean, you could just give your life over to Christ right now. You don't need an altar call. You don't need music in the background. You don't need a priest or holy water. You just need you and your heart being right before God and being honest before God about your failings and your inability to get back in the rhythm he created you to work in. And you just need to cry out to God in your own heart and your own mind and say, God, I need help. 
I want to give my life to you, but I'll be honest, I don't even know what that looks like. I want to be changed, but I don't even know how that works, God. Would you help me? Just open your heart to God right now and ask him to change you, to line you back up with the way you were created to live. That has to happen for any of this to matter. But once it does, you and I still find ourselves living out of step with God's rhythm at times, right? We still struggle because we're not perfect and we're right in the middle of this ongoing process that the Bible calls sanctification, being made more and more from glory to glory like the, or in the image of Jesus, more like Jesus. So in this series, we're talking about some rhythms that God has not been silent about, that God has broadcast to us in his Word, and we're trying to figure out how do we line up with the help of the Holy Spirit? How do we line up with these rhythms? And so we've talked about devotional rhythm, Thanksgiving rhythm. Last week we talked about Sabbath rhythm. And the next couple of weeks we'll talk about family and marriage rhythm. Today I want to talk to you about what we're going to call present rhythm. Everybody say present rhythm. So I'm not talking about presence under a tree, okay? I'm not talking about gifts. I'm talking about being present. Really what I want to talk to you about is being today is being fully present in the moment right now. Being fully present. And I'll be honest. Now, I don't have high hopes for this one. I'm just going to be honest. I mean, we are swimming upstream here. I just think it's out of control, difficult in our culture and in our time to pull this off. And so I've been crying out to God over the last few weeks about this sermon, that God would speak to me in some way that would miraculously and supernaturally pierce the confusion and the blindness that almost everybody in this room is living in. And so we've got kind of an uphill battle today. If you're not in for it, you, let's just be done, right? Some of you are like, I didn't sign up for that. I'm out. <laughs> we got an uphill battle, but trusting that the Lord's going to speak into that. So jump into it uh, with me so you can see kind of what I mean. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 is in the middle of this really, really, really long sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Probably the longest sermon we have recorded in Scripture. Um, and it's this huge, some of you get kind of antsy at like 28 minutes, right? This was all day. Jesus is preaching all day. And he's preaching about basically everything. I mean, it all kind of shows up in the Sermon on the Mount. And, and really, Jesus is, is talking about people getting back into the rhythm that they were created to walk in and live by. He, he's going through rhythm after rhythm after rhythm. All these topics, marriage, divorce, what you wear, fasting, praying, um, lust. And believe it or not, this is going to freak some of you out. It's going to surprise some of you. But Jesus actually talks about money multiple times in the Sermon on the Mount. Isn't that crazy? That's why that's why, to be honest with you, some of you wouldn't make it in Jesus' church. Because Jesus talked about money. I mean, the Gospels, one out of ten verses, scholars say, have to do with money. Not a church you would want to bring your neighbors to, right? Oh, gosh, my pastor's talking about money again. Who's your pastor? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is talking about money again. Right? I mean, we just wouldn't make it. We just wouldn't make it in Jesus' church. I mean, let's just be honest. 
It'd be like me talking about or, or preaching a full sermon on money one out of 10 Sundays, which I have yet to do even once since becoming your pastor. And it's not just money. I mean, Jesus deals with some difficult stuff in the Sermon on the Mount. Read what he says in the Sermon on the Mount about divorce. Read what he says about all these other things. I mean, seriously, this week, just read the Sermon on the Mount from beginning to end and ask yourself, would you hang in in Jesus' church? Would you be able to go to Jesus' church every week? Because a lot of people didn't make it. A lot of people didn't hang in there. And so it's a good question to ask. But he's in this huge sermon on everything, basically. And then right in the middle of it, Jesus says this, starting in verse 25, Matthew 6, verse 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Verse 27, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you so anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus is talking about anxiety, the anxiety of the people. They're stressed out. They're frazzled. They're worried. And Jesus goes, just trust God. God loves you. Just trust him. He'll take care of Don't be anxious. Don't live life in this perpetual state of stress. He, he will take care of you. Seek God's kingdom first and he will take care of these other things. Jesus is going, don't worry. But it's the next verse that I really want to zero in on today. Verse 34 in Matthew 6. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I think the NIV hits the meaning of this a little bit better there at the end. Look at the NIV. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And the NLT has it this way. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. And so right here in the middle of Jesus in this huge sermon, this day-long sermon about life and lining up with the rhythm you were created to work in, he's going to say, listen, if you're going to live life the way God created you to live it, if you're going to get back there to Eden, to Genesis 1 and 2, in the rhythm you were created to work in, then you're going to have to get out of tomorrow and get back to today. 
You're going to have to get out of tomorrow and be, if you want to live by God's rhythm, the only rhythm that will satisfy your soul and give you abundant life. Your mind and your heart cannot be in tomorrow. It has to be in today. You've got to be here, fully present. Now check out a quick scripture here on the screen. In James 4, this is going to be just a very encouraging scripture I'm going to read to you, just make you feel really good today. Verse 13 in James 4, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Verse 14, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That just warms my heart, doesn't it, you? I mean, don't you just love that verse? Like, I'm, oh, I'm just a mist. Awesome. This is great. I mean, nobody's strapping that on a t-shirt. Just a mist, right? No church is making James 4.14, they're like theme verse, like just a mist community church. Nobody's doing that, right? Nobody's doing that. Nobody's opening up service going, you're a mist, you're a vapor, you're a mist, you're nothing. Like, that's not what we're doing, right? And yet here it is in, in the scriptures, just a, a, a vapor. How long do you see a vapor? If you don't know what this is talking about, on a cold day when you can see your breath outside, how long is that there? How long can you see it? That's what he's saying your life is like to him. It's but some cold breath on a winter's day. Verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. And so Jesus and James are saying here that if you are going to get back in line with the rhythm God created your heart and your soul and your life to work best in, then you can't be in tomorrow. We have to be here in today, fully present. We can't be halfway in tomorrow. It's not going to work. But you know what hurts me sometimes more than tomorrow? Yesterday. Sometimes yesterday gets me out of rhythm more than tomorrow does. You can't be in yesterday either. Have you ever had that conversation that just went bad? That discussion that wasn't supposed to be anything big, but it just went bad. That whole thing at the Thanksgiving table or the dinner or the, um, the Christmas table where it was just a discussion, then it turned into a debate, then it got to argument level, and it just was a blow up, and you left going, man, that wasn't what I expected. I, I didn't, totally didn't want that to happen, and you can't get your mind out of that, and you're just thinking about it over and over. I don't know about you. But my best comebacks always happen like an hour later. So I call them. Oh, yeah? I'm kidding. That doesn't work. I tried it once. But this kind of thing can just take over your day and dominate your thinking. It can make it to where you can't concentrate. You can't be where you are because you're thinking about that thing that happened in the past. Earlier today or yesterday or last week or whatever and Sometimes it's not something that went wrong in the past. Sometimes it's something that went right in the past that you can't get your mind away from. We can get stuck in like the good old days, escaping the now to enjoy the then. And the Bible says that we're not supposed to do that. It's Ecclesiastes 7.10. Say not 
Why were the former days better than these? For it's not from wisdom that you ask this. We're not supposed to be stuck in yesterday, and we're not supposed to be stuck in tomorrow. Past mistakes, past successes, don't get stuck there because it robs you of the here and the now. It gets you out of a present rhythm. Time marches on and you're missing it. You're you're missing it. You're supposed to be here now, fully present. I mean, how much of your time do you think about, do you use thinking about what do you got what you got going on in the future? How how much is on your calendar? How much of your mind do you use dwelling on yesterday or the junk you have to do tomorrow? How much energy is spent on yesterday and tomorrow and and sacrificed today? Because what I'm afraid of is that many of us miss the present because we're so consumed with the future or the past. And it's not a new thing. I mean, Jesus' listeners were doing it in, in Matthew 6 a couple thousand years ago, but... God's going, I didn't create you to function that way. I didn't create you to live that way. You're out of rhythm. God's going, trust me, I'm the one who set this whole thing up. I wrote this song. If you want to realize all that I have planned for you, if you want to find that peace that surpasses understanding, if you want to experience that, then you have to be fully present. You have to be where you are. You have to be right here now. There are consequences to living out of this present rhythm, to to not living in this present rhythm. I'll, I'll talk to you about two of them, two of them real quick. When you don't live by a present rhythm, you become fractured and fragmented. One of these consequences, you become fractured and fragmented. Let me just tell you something that I've, I've learned about myself. My wife repeats herself to me almost every time she talks. Jake, you ready for dinner? Jake, you ready for dinner? Huh? After 13 years of marriage, she has trained herself to repeat herself because I'm not there. Although I'm there physically, my mind is somewhere else. I'm thinking about a sermon. I'm thinking about something that needs to be done. I'm thinking about a conversation that went bad. I'm thinking about something you're going through, but I'm not there. Although I'm there in bodily form, I'm not really there. I'm not really present. Some of you know what I'm talking about because it's December. Your kids are young men and young women now. Your grandkids are huge all of a sudden. And you're going, what happened to the time? I thought I had so much left. What happened? We have a very difficult time in our culture being where we are. And it's mainly because of this, right? I mean, it's mainly because of your cell phone, your smartphone. I mean, this is... This is mainly why we struggle to be where we are. (laughs) How many of you, if you had to choose like a metaphor for your life and you were honest about it, 
it'd be this sound. Gotta go. What's going on? I gotta go see what that notification is. Oh, hold on a second. Got something. Oh, wait, wait. I gotta look at this Facebook message. If I don't read this Facebook message, I might miss out on something that, that, that's huge. I might miss out. I mean, how many of you, when that happens, you jump to it, right? When you hear that note, when you hear those, that chord, when you hear that tone, you're just like, you just go, you just run. Whatever's going on in the present right now becomes less important, and you go and find out what it is. I got a text. I got a notification. I got a Facebook thing. Someone's calling. Someone's texting. My whole world might unravel if I don't answer this within 90 seconds. And can we just admit that there are some huge social ramifications to this thing? I mean, let's just talk about it for a second. It's kind of the elephant in the room, kind of a dirty word. Let's just talk about it. We need to address it. It starts with a P, this word. Fubbing. Yeah, I said it. Fubbing. Some of you have a fubbing problem. Some of you are a fubbing people. It's got to stop. I'm getting real. Not really, but kind of. Fubbing is the practice of snubbing others in favor of your, of your cell phone. Snubbing, phone, fubbing. Some of you have a fubbing problem. And we're under this complete delusion that we can have a meaningful conversation with people around us and yet check our phone every five seconds. That we can really interact with those around us and have our face in our phone every few seconds. It ain't working. I mean, have you ever been sitting at a restaurant and looked around at the tables and just noticed that nobody's saying anything? Everybody's like this looking at their phone while they're around the table. Some of them are texting and Snapchatting each other at the table. Have you ever looked around a restaurant and seen this going on, circled your eyes, and then got to your table and gone, we're doing it too. What is going on? What's, what's, what are we doing here? Or I heard a guy say it this way, and it's totally true. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you find out really quick where you fall on the totem pole like you thought you were important you thought that they wanted to hear from you you thought that what you were talking about was deep and there was this connection and it was important and there was eye contact and all of that and then all of a sudden it was like oh just a second oh gotta oh sorry just a second oh gosh my phone's blowing up just a second I gotta answer this text hold up I mean, you thought you were way up here. You thought you were important. And now it's just, I'll get to you in a second. I'll, I'll get back to you in a second. I mean, have you, ever, have you ever been in that situation? I mean, there's huge social ramifications to this thing. Oh, I'm actually getting a call right now. Let me answer it. Hello? No, it's going good. Um... Yeah, I'm kind of busy. <laughs> oh, what songs? Um, well, Pastor Nate was leading today, and uh, he 
had this new song, Glorious Day. It was pretty sweet. Yeah. What a Beautiful Name was in there too. Yeah, I love that song too. Love that song too. Um, how are they reacting? Uh, they're all right. I mean, you know how it is. Second service and all that. But, you know. I mean, how crazy would that be? How crazy would it be if we're sitting here talking about these things and I'm taking text messages and I'm answering my phone? I mean, are you kidding me? You would leave here furious. You'd be like, that is an arrogant jerk right there. Never going back. That is rude. You would be enraged at the nerve of desecrating what we hold as holy and sacred. Listen, technology is great. People talk about going back to the good old days of the 1800s or whatever. And man, I'm not in. I'm like, yeah, let's go back to the 1800s and all go get leached. That sounds great. Yeah, let's go back where there's no indoor plumbing. Sounds awesome. I mean, I'm just not there. I love technology. I don't think technology in itself is evil. I like, te- I like this time. I like this era. I don't want to go back. But it is out of control difficult to pull this whole present rhythm thing off when technology is involved. I mean, we have way more more ways, more mediums of communication than ever before. And yet we are more isolated and lonely as a culture than anyone before us. Isn't that strange? Messenger, Instagram, texting, cell phones, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, a lot more. There are all these ways to communicate and yet nobody feels like they're being communicated to. I mean, isn't, just think about that. Isn't that strange? You see, what happens when we are never fully present, when we don't live in a present rhythm, is that we become very fragmented, fractured people. We become very disjointed in our soul because we're never anywhere. We're always in tomorrow, yesterday, or some other location electronically. And so that begins to tear down at the human soul. We get irritated with people who aren't connected. I mean, think about how irritated you get when you text somebody and they don't text you back in 17 minutes. It ticks you off. Or you call and you're like, what in the, he didn't answer? Like, how does that work, right? Somebody tells you, hey, I didn't, sorry, I missed your call. I left my phone in my car. You're like, it's not a car phone. (laughs) That time has passed. Put it in your pocket. I mean, think about how mad we get that we can't get a hold of people when we want to get a hold of people. It becomes very difficult to be where we are when we are so connected to everywhere else. When you don't live by a present rhythm, you become fractured and fragmented. And God's telling us through his word that he has a better way. That he's got a rhythm that works better. That he created you in such a way that it works better if you, if you do this present rhythm. The other thing that happens um, when you don't live by a present rhythm is you miss the reality of God working in your life right now. You miss the, the reality of God working in your life right now. When you're not ever there, when you're not ever here, 
you're always somewhere else. You start to think that God isn't anywhere to be found because when people ask you, hey, what's God been speaking to you lately? What's God been doing in your life lately? You don't really have an answer for that because you weren't there when he did it. And so you start to think maybe he wasn't doing anything. Maybe he wasn't doing and isn't doing anything in my life. And God's activity begins to become something that is somewhere else all the time and never in my life. And we say this weird thing where we talk about God showing up. We're like, oh, and then God showed up and just, it was awesome. And then God was there and his presence was there. But really, isn't it more like then you woke up to the, to the presence of God that was always in your life? Are you tracking with me? Weren't you just missing it before? In John 5, Jesus said, God is always working. And he said, he is too. So how far can we take this? I mean, is God always working? Literally always working. Is he in every moment? Is he in every interaction? Is he in every little thing that goes on in our lives? The answer is yes. Absolutely. And so no matter what's happening in your life, mundane or exciting, good or bad, you should be able to search around and dig around and look around and find what God is doing, find where God is at, find what he's accomplishing in your life because he's always working. But you'll miss it if you don't live by this present rhythm. You'll miss it. I've heard a few people say it this way and it always stuck with me. Isn't, isn't that how Jesus, who lives by this present rhythm, isn't that how he teaches and talks about the kingdom of God. I mean, isn't Jesus just walking down the street with the disciples and he's like, hold up, James, Peter, John, come check this out for a second. You see that over there? You see that farmer over there scattering seed? Watch him for a second. Oh, you see how some of the seed went on the path and some went into rocks and some went into the thorns. But look, some made it to good soil and I bet it's gonna have a harvest, it's gonna produce a harvest. And Jesus goes, look at that farmer scattering seed. That's like the kingdom of God. And where everybody else just sees a guy throwing seed, Jesus who is fully present and operating by this present rhythm, sees the kingdom of God at work. Another time, maybe he's kind of, they're coming into a, a house or something and he lights a lamp. And it's dark and it lights up the room and he goes, hey, think about this, guys, come here a second. Think about this lamp for a second. Hey, wouldn't it be really dumb if I lit this lamp and put a basket over it? Like, wouldn't that be dumb if I put this under the table after I lit it? And Peter's probably like, yeah, that'd be real dumb. That's my Peter voice. I don't know if I'm nailing it or not. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be stupid. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Your life is like that. The kingdom of God is like that. God has given you this light. I, Jesus, have given you this light, the truth. I've given you this light. And it'd be really dumb for you to take a basket and put it over that light. You, just like this lamp lights up this room, and that makes sense. So it makes sense for you to go out into the world and use my light to light up the whole world. And so where everybody else just sees a lamp... Jesus sees 
the activity of God. And what happens when you and I are not fully present is that the activity of God becomes something that it's, it's happening someplace else. And so we hear about what God is doing in Peru or in the, the Peoria Dream Center or in someone else's life or on the other side of the world. And we go, oh, yeah, I want to be a part of that. That is so awesome. I want to go over there. I want something huge to happen in my life like it happened over there. And we don't realize that the same God who is right here, right now, doing God stuff in our lives, but we're missing it. We're not here, and so the presence of God and the power of God is something that's always somewhere else. And sometimes it causes us to to move from place to place. Sometimes it causes us to move from church to church to church. Like people go, ah, this church, Great Oaks is getting lame. I'm going to move. I'm going to go to a different, it's so lame. I'm moving. I'm going to go to Harvest. Harvest is awesome. I'm going to go over there. And they go there for a couple years, and that person says, Harvest got lame all of a sudden. Man, it's lame. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to go to Bethany. And they go to Bethany and they go, oh, this is awesome. And a couple years later, they go, God, all of a sudden, Bethany's getting lame. I'm going to go back to Great Oaks. And I just want to grab them and shake them and say, this is just a casual observation. But lameness seems to follow you around. There's only one thing that's there with lameness all the time. You. But then they'll get angry and I'll have to slip away like a ninja (laughs) while they're staring at their phone. But we get caught in this cycle of God being other places and we miss out on the fact that that he's doing some amazing things right here all around us and it's devastating to the soul, isn't it? It's devastating. It puts us on this quest to find something that's right in front of us the whole time. It puts us on this never-ending road trip. He's always at work but most of us don't see it because we're not here. We're not in a present rhythm. Our rhythm is to never really be anywhere fully. You know what? God's probably at work in your family right now. God's probably doing something amazing in your workplace, at your workplace, among your coworkers. You know what? God is probably doing something pretty awesome in your neighborhood. And get this, this one I know for sure intuitively. I know for me personally, I know this one. God is doing something amazing, probably is, definitely, let's go with definitely, doing something amazing in your church. But maybe you're missing it. Because you're not here. You're not there. You're not anywhere fully. You see, the question isn't, is God working in my life? The question is, am I there to see it? It's not, is God working? It's, am I there to see God working? Because he's always working. So, what can you do to establish 
this present rhythm in your life? What can you do to stop your fractured, fragmented existence? What can you do to make sure you're not missing out on what God is doing in your life in favor of whatever your phone is chirping about in the moment? What can you do? Well, you're going to have to kind of figure that out on your own. Let's pray. No, I'm kidding. Um, You're going to have to really, though, figure it out for your life, for your family. Fathers and husbands, I leave this for you to lead out in in your your homes. Write some things down. Talk with your life group about it. Have a discussion with your kids and your spouse. Make a plan. But here are a couple things to think about. Um, maybe, Maybe you don't answer your cell phone when you're at lunch with somebody. When you're in a conversation, maybe you just never look at your cell phone. Just tell everybody that you don't exist to answer their texts within 90 seconds. Just tell your friends, just a blanket, kind of a public service announcement. Hey, just so you know, my cell phone, I have a cell phone for me, not for you. And so if you text me and I don't get back in 90 seconds, don't freak out. I didn't die. I'm probably just talking to somebody. Maybe maybe don't answer your, your phone. Maybe... Maybe you leave your phone in your car when you go to a restaurant. Parents, husbands, wives, maybe you, when you walk into your house at the end of the day and everybody's there and you've got about an hour and a half or two hours if, you're, if your kids are young to, to spend time with them and to spend time as a family. Maybe when you walk in, everybody takes their phones and they put them in another room in a basket or a lead box or the fireplace. But you put them somewhere else so that you can, for the next hour and a half or two hours, be fully present, live by a present rhythm right there with your family. Maybe you pray, then you ask God to help you hit the stop button when your mind is just going over and over and over something that happened earlier that day or the week before. Maybe... You start self-correcting when you're thinking about all that has to be done tomorrow or next week, so much so that it's messing today up. Listen, some of you are so stressed, so anxious, so worried. Jesus said each day has enough trouble of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. He has given you everything you need to accomplish what he wants you to, co- to accomplish today. He has not given you everything today that you'll need to accomplish everything he wants you to accomplish tomorrow or next week or the rest of your life, but he's given you everything you need for today. Each day has its own trouble. Don't make today's trouble tomorrow's trouble or tomorrow's trouble today's trouble. Just be fully present present and trust God. And in the morning when you wake up, the Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning, that his grace is renewed towards you to accomplish whatever it is you're supposed to accomplish that day. It's already, it's already December. Can you believe it? There's no way to hold on to time. There's no way to slow it down or speed it up. It just is. It marches on. 
December, Christmas, New Year's, all of that will come and it will go. We started with about 75 minutes. That's gone now. Time marches on. Like drops of water, days fall down and turn into pools of weeks that turn into streams of months. And then one day you're standing next to a raging river of decades passing you by, wondering, Where did all the time go? Time marches on. You can't make it stop. But with God's help, you can be fully present. Find him in it and keep from missing it altogether. Let's pray. Lord, as always, I'm thankful for your word um, that even though it was written in some cases thousands of years ago, Jesus, you still use it today that in 2017, almost 2018, God, that your word is still so relevant to our lives. Like I said in the beginning of this sermon, God, we are swimming upstream. We are fighting an uphill battle. And I pray, Lord, that you would, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe strength into us that Jesus, your resurrection power would be at work in us as we try to do this right, as we try to line ourselves up with a present rhythm that you've created us to live in. I pray for those in this room, hopefully all in this room who try to do this this next week, I think we're going to find that there's some addiction going on. It's going to technology, our phone, our worries of tomorrow, our rethinking the past, all of that, God, is going to woo us, try to distract us. I just pray in that moment, Lord, that not only would you give us this this intentionality to sit down today, to have a conversation with our family, to write things down, to talk to our life group, to make a plan, but also in the moment, I'm praying, God, for a supernatural help from your Holy Spirit to live in this present rhythm. It's going to be hard. We need your help. We can't do it without you. Lord, for those in this room who at the beginning of this message, when I talked about giving their lives over to you completely, for those in this room who have not yet completely submitted their lives to you, God, I pray right now that they would take care of that once and for all today, that it wouldn't be something they think about again, that it would be a life change, that you, Holy Spirit, would do only what you only can do, and that is transform them, make them new right here in this moment, in this building today. Let today be that day. And let them live it out. Holy Spirit, guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. And as always, I pray that whatever was of me today would fall to the wayside and quickly be forgotten and whatever is of you would haunt us and create fruit in our lives and let it not leave our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Why don't you stand with me? Don't rush out. We're gonna sing one last song and we've got prayer workers at the side that would love to pray for you about anything, but here's my prayer for you. May you stop long enough to feel where your life is out of rhythm with God's song. May you see the effect of not living by a present rhythm. And like a blind man, 
seeing for the first time, may your eyes be opened to all that you've been missing out on. God bless you. Make sure you get to a life group this week. If you're not in a life group, talk to the Welcome Center people. Bring someone with you next week as we continue our rhythm series. And remember, just as today you've been helped to take your next step towards God, don't let it stop with you. It's not supposed to stop with you. Go and help someone else this week. Talk with them about a present rhythm. Help them take their next step towards God. Be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples Jesus followers. Amen? God bless you. Thank you so much for coming.